Welcome to the Joe Schmo Theology Podcast, where we discuss confessions. I ain't confessing nothing! Reformed theology. I don't know what either of those words mean. And apologetics. I am not apologizing for anything either. I am your host, Adam D. Murray, and joined with me today on this program is my brother, Aaron D. Murray. What's up, y'all? This is episode 27 of Joe Schmo Theology, the podcast where two dummies talk about smart things. And we are on episode 27. The last episode we said we were like 24, 25. We have no idea what we're talking about. It's embarrassing. Wait, did you go back and look? I counted. I, I counted. Really? And it's 27. It's 27? Yeah. So, Dude, look at us. We're, we're, well, <laughs> it's been like three years, but... No, we've, we've talked about this. So anyways, that, that's where we're at. So what's up? What's oh. new with you? Nothing, man. I'm mourning a loss of an iced coffee. I hugged my wife on the way over here, mm. and she knocked it out of my hands. It was a large, and it was I took a sip, one sip. Well, your wife's doing you a favor. She says, you're a man. You do not drink iced coffee. <laughs> no. Boom. <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure. Now, I want to hear about your uh, your motorcycle story. Though. No, just, why? Just, just why? Tell me about that. I kind of want to hear We were about just that. talking about this. You know everything about it. No, go ahead. But All other right, people so might be curious. Aaron's just trying to make fun of me. So I had this car, right? And I couldn't get it. I couldn't get the key to come out of the ignition, so I called. No, this is a different story. <laughs> no, oh. <laughs> this is this is my faux pas. We're talking about your faux pas. Okay, my faux pas. So I have a motorcycle, and I've been trying to sell it for forever. And nobody wants to buy it in the middle of winter time, so it's just been sitting. And um, I was like, I really need to get this stored somewhere. So I'm trying to get it started. I've spent hours on this thing trying to get it fixed, and watched numerous YouTube videos, and finally just caved. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with it. I can't fix it. So. I called the uh, local shop and had them come pick it up and take it in. I get a call a few days later, and they're like, hey, we got your bike running. And I was like, awesome, man. How much do I owe you? And he's like, well, this is, there's some other things that you might want to do. And I was like, all right, what do I want to do? So I had him do like an oil change and a couple tune-ups and things. But um, he goes, do you want to know why your bike wasn't running? <laughs> I was like, yes, that's what I asked you like two days ago. He goes, you didn't have any fuel in it. <laughs> I was like, you're a liar because I could see the fuel. And I could hear the fuel when I shook it, but apparently there just wasn't enough to get it jumped. So, see, if you were drinking regular coffee, you would have figured that out. Oh, what I have but the iced coffee has it's diluted the coffee. your, your okay. manhood. All right, well. so you can't even change the the oil in your own. Look, machine. man, I had a coupon. Okay, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> had a coupon. I love it. So, um, I shared my faux pas. You want to share yours? Um, no. All right, then let's go. <laughs> How's your life, man? Well, it, it's it's good. Um, the latest development is uh, I'm a pastoral intern at, at my church now. Cool. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. So uh, the basic idea behind that is um, it's, it's a year long, and so I'll be doing a lot of stuff with uh, with the elders. I'll be able to preach in front of the congregation and go to the elders' meetings and things like that. And the basic idea is to um, kind of better evaluate whether I would be um, gifted for pastoral ministry and these kinds of things. So, so it's a lot of fun. My, my concern about it was going to be, well, you know, because I don't have an undergrad. Are they going to think, okay, well, he's not academic enough. He's not able to do these things. And so after... All after true. Well, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the Joe Schmo of the theology. Um, but so I met with the elders and kind of told them my heart. Um, so then uh, we met and they said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll do the pastoral internship. And I'm expecting here, you know, here's a bunch of books to read. Here's some studying tips, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, we're not really worried about you academically. 
but we want to talk about more your your character. Like, uh, I'd rather talk about the academic <laughs> side of things. No, thank you. Um, so it's just it's it's really good, but it's also kind of a humbling experience just learning, you know, about um, the sin that I'm kind of blinded to, or or maybe not even sin, but just like personality issues where. I can be saying something and mean something different, but the words that I choose to communicate those things, people mm. perceive differently. So, and I mean, that's a real issue. So it's something that I just need to be more aware of and, and better at. So it's not fun, but. So they're basically just calling you out on different things and saying, here's some stuff that you need to grow in. Yeah. You know, things like you need to, you need to grow in um, gentleness and how you talk. You need to grow in um, kind of your intuition and being able to read people and their body language and the things that they're saying, the things that they're not saying to be able to see, uh, you know, hurts or sins or things that they're hiding or, um, the way they, they feel about other people within the congregation, other people in general. So, I mean, it's all good things. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, I don't really, I can't really read a book on how to grow an intuition. So it's, it's it's a little bit frustrating. Okay. How do I grow in this? But I guess that's the point, right? (laughs) So, yeah. No, I can see so, that being a challenge. Yeah, it's 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 all exciting. Um, it's it's just also like scary and intimidating and kind of like humbling, not humiliating, but humbling. Yeah. Right. Right. So when did this happen? So this started two weeks ago. You just weren't gonna tell me until the cast. Well, I almost it. told you yesterday when you were helping me pick up the couch. I was like, nah, I'm gonna save it. Okay. I like, but I thought <laughs> I told you. I no. Well, I was like, where the heck did this come from? Maybe not. Okay. Well, yeah. Keep it secrets, man. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. All right. All right. So, uh, what are we on today? We are on the second commandment. The second commandment. And what is the second commandment? I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. Yes, please do. All right, here we go. So, this is out of Exodus 20, uh, verse 4. You should not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything in, or anything that is in the heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the father on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay, good. And it, we did this last week or last time we recorded, and I think we'll do it um, every time we record just because it's really important. But when we're looking at the Ten Commandments, it's very good that we have an, an understanding of the preface to the Ten Commandments, the first two verses. You know, God spoke these words saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and then the commandments. So you have redemption first, and then you have the commandments. So the commandments are a response of obedience to redemption, not the means of redemption. Mm-hmm. Right? It's very critical that we understand that. Otherwise, we will um, we'll completely misread the Ten Commandments and fall into moralism or legalism or other types of things. So um, what I kind of wanted to talk about before we get into the second commandment proper, the idea of images, I'd like to kind of focus on the last half of this. So verses five through um, six saying, you should not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And this is the part that I want to focus on visiting the iniquities of the fathers of the children on the third and the fourth um, generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So I, I guess what I'd like to suss out about this part here is, um, is, is the commandment saying that children are, are um, punished for the sins of their parents? It is not saying that. Okay. Um, so, so, then, so then what is the Ten Commandments or this, this part of the Second Commandment saying? Well, I'm looking for a passage um, in Ezekiel. I, Ezekiel? Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18. 18 um, yep. The soul 
whose sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. So we have in Exodus, it seems like God's saying this is a generational curse or hex or whatever. And then this one is saying you're responsible for your own actions, right? So Well, I, yeah, go ahead and finish this. So, so, you know, yet you say, why should not the son suffer for the iniquity of the father? When the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe all my statutes, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So, I, I get kind of interrupted your thought. I just thought it was good that we get that whole, um, oh, that's you know, good. Whole, whole, whole verses. So, if, if I guess, how do, how do we reconcile this Ezekiel passage with this Exodus passage? Um, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think... What this passage is saying, um, what, what it says here at the end is kind of the key, right? So I'm visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, mm-hmm. right? So I think what um, I think what Moses is getting at when he writes this, or when he's, he's jotting down the commandment from God, rather, is that when you have a continual line of people that hate God continually, they do nothing but teach their children how to continue hating God mm-hmm. and how to continue hating God and how to continue hating God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what he's getting getting at here. So he's saying, don't walk in this and uh, don't walk in sin. Don't violate this commandment because it's just going to continue down, you know, from generation to generation. Um, I don't know if that's right or not, but I mean that that's that's kind of um, how how my understanding of this is. This idea of idolatry begetting idolatry. Right. So you know, as as parents sin. Um, explicitly or implicitly their, their children are watching them and they're going to follow in the footsteps. And then you've got this idea of, you know, those who love me, right? So fidelity begets fidelity. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's not a guarantee that Desmond is going to, um, you know, w- walk faithfully with the Lord. But I mean, y- you look at things like, um, both of our grandparents are walking with the Lord. Our parents are walking with the Lord by the grace of God. We're walking with the Lord. So you just see these generational covenantal blessings that, that God is having on his people. Hmm. Um, and, and one thing that I think is really interesting is when you when you look at this, um, you know, God will not hold him guiltless visiting the iniquity on the third and the fourth generation versus, you know, those who are faithful. So you've got the third and fourth generation for those who are unfaithful. But for those who are faithful, how many do you have? Mm, thousands, thousands. Yeah. right so so god's mercy is it, it far exceeds his his wrath mm. which, which to me is humbling um i i, I think it, it's it's a great verse and i think as long as we properly understand it, it it's very helpful and it's very encouraging at the same time it, it's also serves as, as a great warning that we as parents are i mean we have a great task of raising our children in the knowledge and admonition of the lord um teaching them what it means to, to love Jesus, teaching them what it means to worship, teaching them what it means to pray, and all, all these kinds of things, teaching them what it means to be faithful, knowing that, sure. you know, this is the God who brought us out of slavery, out of out of our sin. Right. Right. So I just wanted to um, kind of get, not get that out of the way, but address that first before we go on to the, the second commandment proper. Um, and this will be a short cast because we're actually celebrating Dominic's first birthday today. So why don't we... Uh, go into the game and then hit the second commandment proper what do you think sure you got a game no you got a game i don't have a game i don't have a game you want to play trivia crack I'll pl- no then i'm not playing trivia going. crack right no 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 <laughs> i'm gonna ask you this all right i'm gonna ask you this okay all right and actually um i'm gonna ask you to this dad so our dad's in here listening to us too so all right and i'm gonna choose uh, let me just get this out here first okay so <laughs> you get to pick 
three biblical characters excluding Samson to fight to fight with Why? you. And then, Dad, you pick three others, and I'm going to decide who would actually win in a battle with Nerf swords because, you know, violence. I kind of game. Hey, it was your turn to come up with one, and you didn't have one, I so. Know, I know, I know. I can think of, like, four biblical characters now. Anytime someone asks me a direct question, your mind just never just go blank. Here we go. All right. Well, just name those four. I only need three, so you're one ahead. All right. Uh-huh. Is there divine intervention in this? Um, well, I can't say no to that, but I can't. But just pick people. I mean, come on. All right, so I call Goliath. Goliath? I figured you were going to say Goliath. First of all. Uh-huh. Um, even though he's got a losing record. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Gideon. Gideon? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And... Yep, silence is uh, great for podcasting. Yeah, dead air is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We think care. You are thinking. I know. I just you I'm, said you had four people. Kane. All right. Kane <laughs> down. No, Whoa. No, just kidding. No, sorry, sorry. No, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Laban. Right. Laban. Laban. If Kane's La vengeance is a thousand, then Laban's will be seventy thousand. It wasn't Laban. Who was that? Who was that? Are you, you know talking about? Are you talking about Jacob's father-in-law? No, no, no. Uh, I'm talking about right after Cain kills Abel. There's the dude that uh, I can't think of his name. I don't know. You're you're butchering this. No, well you this can't just not throw these games now. at me. It's after my hollow, you know. So Cain is banished. Yeah, no, you figured out. You, you have one more, Dad. Who are your three? Joshua. Joshua. Good call. That was one of mine too. Moses. <laughs> Moses. Joshua. Well, I was like, nah. Okay. And Jesus. No, well... You said divine intervention. Well, Jesus gives himself up freely, so... Yeah. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Okay, Peter. Peter. Peter can't even kill a guy. He tries to kill him and misses his yeah, ear. Yeah, gets a year. Yeah. Wow. He tried hard. Lamech. <laughs> he tried right. and failed. He walked on water. <laughs> and sunk. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I think Peter. no, no, no. I think I think Adam wins. Yeah. We have to pick up a third. Yes. A Adam wins. <laughs> Boom. All right. This is gonna bother me. Well, you can figure it out later. That was okay. three minutes of pain and agony for everyone who had to listen to that. <laughs> okay. There's so so many genealogies. How do you find anyone? You want to keep looking for this? No, gonna, it's fine. Go ahead. Jump back in. Okay, All right. Okay. So we're, we're jumping back into the second commandment. What is the second commandment proper? Second commandment proper. Yeah, like what? Well, if someone asks, what's the second commandment? All right, don't make any images in the form of God, and don't worship any images of any kind. Okay. So, um, or to represent God, or, or don't to make any images represent to represent God. God. Right now, some uh, people will look at this and um, they would argue that we cannot have any artwork in church. Is that what the second commandment is getting at? No, not well, at all. Why not? Well, because one. We have, we have examples in Scripture of artwork mm -hmm. being in church, right? So, I mean, even in the Ark of the Covenant, you've got it full of yes. um, cherubim or whatever and different decorations. Um, I forget the two guys' names. They God. What are you talking about? Yeah, they God gave the spirit of artistic, right. you know, work, and they went in there and did all that different stuff. Um, even the temple, I mean, when it was constructed, there's all types of instructions on to make it beautiful or whatever mm -hmm. that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, God's not against art inherently. Right. Well, and you're talking about, you know, the covenant and the tabernacle and, and all those good things. And those come pretty quickly after the Ten Commandments are given, at, at least um, in, in Exodus. 
So, yeah, definitely not forbidding artwork proper. Um, in fact, artwork is, in one sense, it's a way that, that we express being made in the image of God and that, you know, God is, is a creator and he has given us that, that creative spirit mm -hmm. where, where we are able to um, make beautiful things. So de definitely not um, forbidding um, the idea of artwork, although, I mean, we could, I think we could argue that some artwork would be um, inappropriate. <laughs> Sure. So, um, as we're thinking about the, this commandment that God says, do not make any images to represent me, um, why not? Like, why no images of God? Well, there's a couple of reasons. The, I mean, the the first one that I think of is, um, you know, trying to infuse some kind of spiritual efficacy into a man-made artifact mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, like, we always think about, like, wearing a cross around your neck and then you know, grasping that cross and okay. saying like, God's going to do this for me or whatever. Right. Like God is going to work for me on behalf of this thing that I've created. Right. So we're trying to control the freedom of God to act in a free way as he is right. through whatever man-made means that we desire. So, right. Right. I mean, so there, I, I, I had four, I'm trying to figure out if I, I can fit that in there. Cause I think, I think that's good. Isaiah 40, 18 through 20 says, um, to him, then will you liken God or what likeness compares with him? An idol, a craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and he casts it for silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. So it's one of those things in, um, really the whole in the 40s of Isaiah, it's talking about these idols, and Isaiah is mocking them, like, well, they, they can't speak, they can't hear, they can't taste, they can't do anything. Um, you're, you're controlling them. So so they're, they're personal, they're ineffectual, they're, they're controllable, and like you said, you're, you're, you're trying to use this piece of jewelry to mediate for you when it's actually Jesus as your mediator, mm -hmm. right? So... So it's it's flying in the face of of redemption. It's flying in the face of the personal work of Christ. Right. Where you can right. carry you can carry this thing around with yeah. you. Yeah. Right. And and but and by that way you can carry God's presence around with you. Right. So undermining His omniscience. Or if I perform right. these ritual acts, I can get God to do certain things through this whatever that I've constructed for myself. Right. So you know then controlling God's freedom to act as He does. Right. Right. So you're, you're trying to ma manipulate Him, and, and you're wrestling his sovereignty and you're placing it within yourself and yeah. within the chosen means that you desire. Mm -hmm. um, you've also got the fact that, well, God is spirit, right? God, God is not physical at all. So, you know, John four twenty four says, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then um, looking at Deuteronomy four fifteen, and this is, you know, Deuteronomy 5 is the second place that the Ten Commandments are given. So this is right before that. It says, therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb or out of the midst of fire. Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourself in any form of any figure. And then Leviticus 26, 1 says, You shall not make idols for yourselves, or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. Right? So, um, you're, you're, again, if you have an image of God, you're, you're falsely representing him, so you're, you're lying about him. And we'll get into this next time we, we uh, record, but you're taking his name in vain. So not only are you violating the second commandment, you're also violating the third commandment. Hmm. I didn't so about any of that. So I uh, think about yeah. it in the sense that um, when you're misrepresenting God by constructing something to take His place, mm -hmm. you're robbing Him of His true glory, right. right? Because you're making Him something less than He is. Right. So that that's an issue that I would have with it. Um, right. 
Well, and and then as you're saying that, that goes right into this idea that worshiping through an image blurs the creator creature distinction. Hmm. Right. So so looking at Romans 1, uh, 20 through 25, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived. So you've got his invisible attributes have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts became darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because, this is key, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than, than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. So, I mean, I think that's fairly self-explanatory. You're blurring that that distinction between who God is and who we are, and you're attributing worship or veneration <clears throat> to a created thing rather than the one who actually created that thing. Mm -hmm. So what else might be some reasons that um, God does not want to be represented in images? Um, I mean, just the... So I think about this a lot um, in the way that we, as a society for lack of better terms, do church. Mm -hmm. um, there's a big push and a big emphasis to try and elicit emotion through various means. So whether that be the, way, the songs that we sing or the way that we use lights or whatever, um, a lot of times what I see is um, imagery or different things to try and elicit right. emotion, right? right. Um, you know, whether that's a Good Friday service and you're seeing different pictures of Jesus and whatever, trying to elicit emotion. I don't. Th now, we might get into this, but I don't, think that pictures of Jesus are in and of themselves sinful mm -hmm. violation of the second commandment. But I do think that there are ways to use those images as a way to elicit emotion, which is taking the job of the spirit, um, you know, and saying, I'm going to stir your heart because of this great work, which Christ has done and who he is. And, you know, we're going to replace that with, you know, effects or whatever right. that we can to. So I think of that um, I, when I'm thinking about the violation of the second commandment, right? So we're trying to, um, we're trying to use sight as a way to elicit emotion. Right. And all throughout scripture, um, we see that, you know, faith comes by, by hearing, mm -hmm. right? So you hear the word, you know, you understand the word, that type of thing. It doesn't come from seeing this magnif magnificent, you know, right. building or whatever. It, right. it always Adding comes through. spectacle and all that stuff. Right. And, and so what you're saying, and it's, it's really good connecting this, that, you know, the first commandment is, is who we worship. Exclusively, we worship God. The second commandment is how we worship. Right. So God cares about both. Right. Um, so, so the second commandment is, is saying that you are not free to worship any way that you please. You are only free to worship the way that I command you to. You are not free to to worship through images or, or other types of things. And then, you know, of course, we have Exodus 32 with the golden calf and all these kinds of things. And it, it and you're, you're mentioning, you know, lights and um, smoke and um, all these other types of, like, flashy music and all that stuff. And I don't really want to get into this exclusive psalmody and no instruments debate. However, I think it, it's, you would probably agree with this, that... In one sense, um, we're kind of getting away from what the reformers um, were concerned about with um, the Catholic Church, in that you know you're you're adorning the spectacle, you're you're watching, you're observing, you're not actually participating in things. You're you've got these false means of grace, and um, unfortunately, we as Protestants have also devolved into that where. Mm -hmm we adorn the spectacle where, where it's no longer, you know, the congregation who's participating in, in singing and in prayer and everything, but it's us watching other people do it, mm -hmm. you know, and other people doing it is fine. I'm not against, 
you know, people leading in um, the singing. I'm not against people leading in prayer and all that stuff, but the congregation needs to be involved in those things as well. Yeah. And so I think that that has um, implications from the second commandment that that we get there. It's not like we're getting this from a vacuum. Well, and I don't think that like a smoke machine, people would look at that and be like, oh, that's an image of God or whatever. And I don't think that that in and of itself is a violation of the second commandment. I just think that when you use something else as a means to get closer to God, to elicit the emotions right. or whatever, then you're getting away from the heart of the gospel. You know, which well, and, and, and a smoke machine would be that. So if you're using a smoke machine to kind of um, elicit emotion and say, you know, creating this emotional ambiance of things makes it easier for worship, then you are absolutely violating the second commandment yeah, because you're, wor- you're, you're trying to worship God through a man-made thing through a man-made image. Right. Right. And, and that is a violation of the second commandment. Yeah. But nobody would look at a smoke machine and say like, oh, this is a, this is a way for our, like, this is, this is a, a picture of God or whatever. This is a, this is a stand in for God that we're going to worship through. It's just more like, we need to create this atmosphere. This is the word I hear all the time. We need to create this atmosphere of worship. We need to create, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, and I think that that in and of itself, the whole atmosphere, the whole idea of like, we can only get to God through creating this atmosphere of worship. It is, I think, a violation of the second commandment. Yeah, well, I mean, in, so, in my in my opinion, no, I I, I, I agree with that. I I would probably go further, um, <clears throat> but we don't we don't need to do that. We can we can move on for um, time's sake. Um, any other reasons why God might not <laughs> want to be worshipped through images? Um, well, you already mentioned it. Uh, I'll just hit on it again. God has always provided His own mediators, yes. right? So, said the prophets, the priests, whatever. Now we have Christ, right? So. Um, Christ is our mediator. We don't need something else to stand in mm-hmm. um, in this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think it's worth saying that like it's just commanded. <laughs> I mean, hello. I think that's a. I, I think that's okay to say. Mm-hmm. Like I was reading through um, in Deuteronomy. You know, when when um, God meets them on the mountaintop, you know. Um, I'm just going to read part of it. I'll start in verse 13. There's a lot more, but he says, And he declared to you the covenant which commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going to possess. Here we go. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Mm-hmm. Beware, lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourself in any form or figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water, or under the earth, beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the host of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to you, to all the people under the he- under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. So you already kind of talked about that, the creature-creator right. distinction. Right. Um, but I just think it, it's, you know, when you see it so clearly spelled out, I think it's worth just saying, like, look, we're creatures, and God has commanded it, and so let's obey it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. So I, I, have, I have two more things that I want to talk about, um, and then we can kind of wrap up. The first would be, does God allow visual aids in worship? Um, I think he can. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think. What, what do you mean by a visual aid, though? Like, Yeah, it's a leading question. I yeah. Think. Are you talking so, about... So like, here's, a, here's the thing. So what, what you'll hear a lot of times from people um, when they want... 
when they use images or anything, and I, I would even argue images of Jesus, and I actually disagree with you, um, and I have a question for I you. I know you do. That's fine. And we don't, I don't want to get into a huge argument because it'll take too, time, too much time. It is worth discussing, though. Um, th this idea that, okay, I'm a visual learner. Right, I have to see things. It's very helpful for me too. So, so if I if I see pictures of Jesus, then it's, it's it helps me worship because it's directing my worship. These kinds of things, um, which I would say, okay, that's you're 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 in dangerous water of violating the second commandment, if not explicitly violating the second commandment. But my point is this: that God understands that we are visual learners. Right, all of us are visual learners. So, what visual means has God provided in worship for us? Uh, each other. <laughs> okay, so we've got, yeah, each other. We are made uh, in the image of God, right? Right. So, um, so you you have the image of God stamped on us. So that that's good. I'm creation. Cre creation, right? So that that kind of gets the whole um, same thing, like the heavens declare the glory of God and all that stuff. What I'm thinking of specifically is this: the Lord's Supper yeah. and baptism. Okay, go. so those are visual means that we see where okay, baptism you know represents people being brought into the covenant of God, right? Yeah. Into the covenant community, God's people. And then the Lord's Supper is like remembering, okay, this is what the Lord has done for you. Here, here, here is a visual thing where all of your senses are involved, your sight, your touch, your, your hearing, your, all, all, all five of them are involved in, in the Lord's Supper. So the Lord has given us visual means of, of communicating his redemption um, that are sanctioned within scripture, are commanded within scripture. And we are not to go outside the boundaries of that and add to it or take away from it. Yeah. Right. So, so we have those things from God, um, and then, <clears throat> so I just want to ask you this question. Maybe, maybe this will lead into a discussion, and if we want to spend time on it, that's fine. But I don't. I, I think that pictures of Jesus are so. So, first of all, the, the question is, what is the second commandment proper? Uh, don't make any images uh, just, of just, God. Right. Yeah, so, right. don't make any images of God. Is Jesus God? Yeah. Okay. So. My question would be, and I'm not going to push back on this. Yeah, I'll let you answer this, and then we can kind of wrap up. So, okay. so how do you reconcile those two things? So, make no images of God. Jesus is God. Why is it okay for us to make images then, or pictures of Jesus? Well, because if you read, I mean, if you read the commandment, or what's behind it, we already talked about like we already talked about the idea of making God less than He is mm -hmm. by by putting an image out there, right? Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> like if I try and represent God by this great masterpiece of like sunsets and mm -hmm. mountains or whatever or flaming eyes or anything like that or we're making God less than he is mm -hmm. <clears throat> when God became flesh I think that he he fulfilled this commandment in a sense right so like he he became as we are um, mm -hmm. we see each other every day mm -hmm. right um, self portraits aren't sinful i don't think i mean they can be i guess but <laughs> so do we know what but, jesus looks like no so that's the thing so this so is then why it would be a false misrepresentation so right? this well, okay but here's the thing it's not a divine misrepresentation right it's a physical misrepresentation any picture even if we knew what jesus looked like no picture is going to perfectly capture mm -hmm. like even if i did a painting of you and i was actually a good painter mm -hmm. like i'm not going to get it perfect right so mm -hmm. it's we're not talking about a divine misrepresentation here we're talking about a human error now here's the thing that i have now this is why i have problems of pictures with Jesus is because he's always blonde haired, blue eyed, has this far off gazing look, right? That, um, you know, just, I think can lead people to see Jesus in a different way than, than he is. Right. Right. So, so why, why not? not, not if, if you had I'm not him... talking, I'm not talking, so I'm not talking like physically. I don't mm -hmm. really care about that. I'm talking more of like the expressions that are used, the, um, the settings that Jesus is often placed in, right? So we have these ones of him agonizing on a cross or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think all of these things are, 
used to elicit emotion, right? So I don't really care about the physical misrepresentation as much as what the expressions look like, what the setting looks like, what the purpose of the painting is. So what would be an acceptable, in, in your mind, something that you would not be uncomfortable with? Well, I mean, like, I don't care if I see a uh, nativity scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some bad nativity scenes, but, like, I don't care about that. And, and I honestly don't mind, like, I just don't really care if I see a picture of, of Jesus. It's just, I don't know. I guess now that I'm, like, talking it out, because I am a verbal processor, sure. when I, if I were walking down a hallway and I saw a picture of Jesus, whatever, it, it would be something that, you know, we're looking at as a reminder or something. But I don't know. I mean, I just have not really... There are some very high-end art galleries that are Christian that the, the, the photo, the, the drawings, the paintings are very edifying. I don't think that it's meant to draw you to worship. I think it's meant to draw you to contemplate. Right. So when you're worshiping, though, your mind's automatically going to go to those images. Well, and I mean, you're going to use those images it, to mediate. And, it, and it's one of those things where that gets sticky because I know it's like, well, what about, you know, the, the burning bush and all these other types of things. It just, to me, the better side of prudence, if you're not going to say it's explicitly wrong, the better side of prudence is just to say, you know, let's just stick with the word and let's just stick with the sacraments. Well, I'm not these, saying these I'm are what, go these are what pictures of Jesus right. in my own Yeah, I, I know that. I know but, you wouldn't do that. But I'm not, but I'm not convinced to the point where I'm going to start rebuking other people. Right. So, and, and I, I see that the pushback I would have on that is like, they may we may say use the word edifying, but like what's the difference between edifying and venerating well, we're called, and worship? We're called to worship God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, if we're caused to contemplate, right, that should lead us to to worship, right? right? And exactly. in that case, we would be worshiping through some kind of image that I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not to the point where I'm going to start right. lambasting people. But well, I, I see. I don't want to be lambasting, and I hope I'm not coming across that way. It just seems to me that it's it's inconsistent and it's unwise. I think it's unhelpful for the most part. I, I, right. I don't know. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are <laughs> things. We'll, Leave me alone. We'll, well, <laughs> can you divide it? Can you divide it and keep it out of a service, but be built up? Right. So, okay. So, psalmody. Mm -hmm. So, psalmody, right? So, mm -hmm. you would say, um, you know, it would be, I don't know if you would say it would be sinful to sing songs of worship that aren't psalms. Maybe you would. Okay. But you're saying regular principle, we should only sing psalms, right? But outside of worship, we can sing whatever songs we want to out, sing. Out, so I would make outside it, of corporate I would make it the distinction between between corporate worship, and I wouldn't say anything. Um, there are plenty of things that would be inappropriate to sing through to worship God with. Right. Sure. Okay. Right. So, but yeah. but yeah, but I mean, to me, this doesn't seem to be a corporate worship command as much as it is a total life command. Well, it's both. Right, but I mean, like, you're, it's not explicitly geared just towards corporate worship. This is a command to the people for everyday life all the time, right? Don't make any images right. or worship through them. Which which would follow that you shouldn't have images of Jesus inside worship or outside of worship. Right, or, or, or God. I mean, I'll, I'll just be fair. Or God, and I think Jesus falls under that parameter, so I don't, I don't want to poison the well with that. Well, I mean, I haven't actually seen... I don't know. There's probably plenty out there, but I haven't actually seen... I can't think of any, like, somebody trying to capture God... In a photo, Michelangelo and um, the Sistine Chapel. Well, I'm not very cultured. Well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, you've got, I think it's yeah, David it took and, him like forever. And there, yeah, it's a. It's, I think it's a. I think that is a violation of the the second commandment. So, anyways, I, we could really talk about this is that a lot. Like God think, and Adam. Yeah, they're what, touching yeah, their hands. Yeah, yeah, God, Adam, God and man. Right, yeah. right. So, <laughs> I don't know. All, all I know is it is you know it needs some black bars to cover some nether regions. 
Um, well, anyway. <laughs> and I think we might have some good, robust discussions when it comes to the, the fourth commandment as well, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but anyways, that is the, the second commandment. We will uh, be hitting the third commandment next time we record. Um, thanks for Five bearing with us. <laughs> Five months from now. That's right. That's right. All right, until next time, remember every Joe Schmo can grow some mo. Peace. Peace.